0: Good evening, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Chatting Tonight. I'm Margo, and as of this very moment, I'll be your host, your guide, your designated driver, your spirit animal, and most importantly, your friend. As always, I'll be joined by my loyal sidekick, Doyle. He doesn't talk, but he is just as annoying as Ed McMahon. Get comfy, and get ready to get gently nuanced. Now, as some of you may know, in September of 2021, I posted on my wildly unpopular Twitter page that my very first podcast would be me reading Phyllis Diller's Household Hints. And while I didn't promise you little kittens that I would, I am a girl that likes to keep her word. So... Without further ado, pomp or circumstance, may I present the best of Phyllis Diller's Household Hits. Phyllis was nice enough to dedicate her book to all the ladies who would rather skip the housework. Introduction by the late, great Bob Hope. This book is the work of Phyllis Diller, The Lady with a Thousand Gags, 1002, I Forgot Her Face and Figure, Phyllis is the only woman, that's just a wild guess, I know, who was refused a subscription to Good Housekeeping. You'll understand why if you've ever visited her home. I did. On the bat's day off. Have you ever seen her living room? Have you ever seen the surveyor moon pictures? You've seen her living room. The rug is so deep in dust the moths carry a pick and shovel. Her refrigerator door has so many fingerprints on it the FBI uses it to train agents. When it comes to cooking, Phyllis has the Lucrezia Borgia seal of approval. The last time she had a picnic, the ants picketed. You've heard about people who can't boil water. Phyllis can. She calls it soup. Her kitchen is so poorly organized, she keeps a mouse on a leash so she can find the cheese. She shops between the main course and dessert. She has the only dining room table I know with a garbage disposal for a centerpiece. And you can be sure her family always brushes after every meal. It's so convenient. They're always so close to the toothbrush. So who's better qualified to write a book on what's new in housekeeping? Forward by Phyllis Diller. Since there is no humane society for housewives, and since housewives can never say my contract expires at midnight and will not be renewed unless I have written a book to help. I can't bear to see women doing a lot of work for nothing. By clever thinking, housewives may stay away from hard labor and still create the picture of being the mother in the book. For instance, when you're out in the evening, you can make the statement, I was on my feet for hours tonight getting supper. You don't have to honestly add, they were short of help at the drive-in and I was at the end of the long line. This book is filled with such helpful half-truths, quarter truths, even 164th truths. Just like I'm going to say, this book was recommended by a marriage counselor, and I won't add, who wanted some business. Chapter 1. How to get the chenille marks off your face when the doorbell rings. I am an immaculate housekeeper. I'm clean, but my house is a mess. I suspected I wouldn't be the perfect housewife the way I botched up the wedding cake. I know people who are so clean you can eat off their floors. You can't eat off my table. Fang, my husband, says the only thing domestic about me is that I was born in this country. Some women have qualities that take away the need for being a domestic expert, but unfortunately I do not. When I stand next to Jane Mansfield, I feel like a cake with the baking powder left out. Besides this, I live next door to Mrs. Clean, who bleaches her snow. She's got dust cloths for her dust cloths. Everything at her house folds up and puts away. She has a folding ping pong table that has folding ping pong balls. She polishes her furniture so much you can see your face in it. Now why in heaven's name would I want to do that? She is so anxious to get back to doing housework, when she goes out, she wears white rubber gloves. But I've learned that by playing my cards right, and I don't have a stacked deck, I can create the illusion of being a good housekeeper without the drudgery and have perfected the following plan of attack. I was trampled by a white elephant. When buying a new house, you can forget about mortgages, location, and foundations. There are really only three things worth remembering. Number one, buy the biggest house you can find so that when your children are grown up and your husband or some other idiot says, why don't you get a job and help out with college expenses, you can say, with this house? Don't bring up the fact that 29 of the 32 rooms are permanently closed off. Number two, buy the house far enough away from school so your kids can't come home for lunch. Number three, always buy a house with a fireplace. Even if you live in the middle of the desert, dirt can always be blamed on a faulty flu. Remember, that dirt belongs to you. If there is anything as disgusting as a dirty wall, it must be somewhere around my house. I can explain away the smudges on my walls as the height marks of my kids, which I'm too sentimental to wash off. And when wall washing is being discussed, I say, I haven't been able to do that since the accident. If anyone should ask what accident, prefer not to talk about it. If my husband had any heart at all, He wouldn't expect me to stay in a house so messy. However, I know my way around and have worked out some useful methods of dealing with housework. Complain about your high water bills. Don't let anyone know they're the minimum. During spring and fall house cleaning time, put your arm in a sling. Drape a rag over the stepladder in front of a window and it will look as if you've been washing. Have an unused dust mop to shake out the front door, and shake the real one out the back door at night. Leave your sink full of dirty dishes. It's a good way to cover up a dirty sink. Keep at least one window pane clean to check the weather. Once I didn't do this, I sent the kids off with umbrellas for six weeks straight. Don't dust the cupboard shelves. Then you can fit things where they belong on the spots where there's no dust. Instead of washing the light fixtures, use stronger bulbs. In three years, I've gone from 25 watts to 1,000. And a final word, if your house is so messed up that you must either hire a cleaning lady or a guide, and you decide on a cleaning lady, get one who commutes from out of town so she doesn't talk among your friends. Where there's smoke, it's usually only dirt. If somebody, like a husband, tells you to get busy, say, All right, if you want that bare, clean, sterile look, often say, I let my family live in our house. Use the words casual, comfortable, informal. A lot. Our house has gone past the lived-in look. It has more a no-survivors look. Dishonesty is the best policy. Blame a lot of things, like soiled wallpaper, greasy walls, and a dirty basement, on the previous owners, even if you've lived there for 25 years. Get a dog. Dog owners are not expected to have orderly houses. Even if the lazy mud hasn't moved for years, people will blame all the tossed throw rugs and beat up furniture on his playfulness. As the owner of an untrained puppy once said, it takes a heap to make a house a home. A dangerous question for Mrs. Clean, meaning she'd like to see the upstairs, is how many bedrooms do you have? say none if she asks outright to see the upstairs tell her they are fake stairs mrs clean's mr clean will emphasize every point by pounding his fists on the furniture lead him to a hard chair instead of a dusty davenport if summer has passed and you didn't get around to storing the winter clothes use strong smelling moth spray when you start wearing them again remember sweeping the porch is more effective than sweeping the living room, unless you have a picture window you can be seen through. I have a horrible view out of our picture window. I see myself in the picture window across the street, and you should have heard what I said about that ugly broad before I found out it was me. If your house is really a mess, and a stranger comes to the door, greet him with, "'Who could have done this? We have no enemies!' or you must be from the bomb squad. Beauty and the Beast. If you've got a face like I have, a diary type, line of day, clean the mirrors often. I don't panic easily, but dusty wrinkles? To get that beauty rest that will keep you as lovely as I am, try the following tricks. If you want to rest and still look busy, sit and fold diapers. I sat and folded diapers for three years after my last kid was trained. When you want to read, sit in front of a bookcase with a dust cloth in your hand and books spread all over. Get a decent-looking house housecoat so you can occasionally pretend the latch slipped behind you when you're locked out, forced to spend eight hours basking in the sun on a chase lounge. And since Mrs. Clean is bound to ring the doorbell just when you're napping, To cover the chenille marks, keep a large band-aid handy. Never wash on Monday. Why pick a day when you're sure your whites will be compared to somebody else's? Even though your 10-year-old washer still has the Christmas bow it came with intact, talk as if it's been repaired again and again and really needs replacing. If you have already made the mistake of installing a laundry room, here are a few tips that will get you out of it quickly. Scorch white shirts in front so your husband will insist they be sent to the laundry. Scorch marks on the back aren't a guarantee as he may just leave his jacket on. Buy your husband a sun lamp. Shirts look whiter on a man with a tan. Vinegar is recommended for almost everything. I have so many dresses with spots removed by vinegar that if I'm not sitting near a salad, I worry about the way I smell. Next to baking, sewing is the most important domestic thing in the world. The appearance of being able to sew is better than actually doing it. To create this impression, I recommend sprinkling straight pins on the floor. Drawing a black line around several of your daughter's skirts about an inch above the bottom, it will look as if you've let down hens. Keep your back to reality. Buy yourself a loving cup that says, To the world's best mom. These are sold in any dime store. People's attitude about your house softens a lot with this staring them in the face. Be careful not to trip on a rug when you have company so that they see what's been swept under there. If you do, scream, oh my head, so their eyes are distracted. However, more efficient housewives do not sweep dirt under rugs. They push it down the cold air ducts. Keep a good wheel bag in your bedroom. It gives the impression all that mess is going to a worthy cause. If your house is a mess, don't use the excuse, I'm in the midst of spring house cleaning, if any of your kids are nearby. One of them is too apt to say, Mother, what's spring house cleaning? If you misspell a word, just say, I couldn't find it in the dictionary. You don't have to say you couldn't find the dictionary. Have a lot of souvenirs from far off places even if you've just sent for them from a mail-order house. It will give the impression of you being a world traveler who hasn't been home long enough to have thoroughly cleaned the house. Chapter 2. What to say when a moth flies out of the oven. Every time I go near the stove, the dog howls. My next house is going to have a kitchen upstairs so I don't keep running into it. I'm such a lousy cook, I can't even say to Fang... If you don't work, you don't eat. It's no threat. In our house, we have Alka-Seltzer on tap. If you cook like I do, the best thing I can tell you is not to be sensitive. Here are some of the insults I've had to overlook. When Fang passes my gravy, he says, One lump or two. Once, I sent a treat to Boy Scouts and the leader awarded a merit badge to anyone who could eat it. When I entered a cake at the county fair, it was the only one awarded a black ribbon. I asked Fang when he choked if he had swallowed wrong. He said, well, let's just say with this food, it's wrong to swallow. My coffee is so bad, my guests frequently say, I'll take cream and sugar, but skip the coffee. Once I said to Fang, notice how I captured that flavor? He said, if I were you, I'd let it loose. I lay my trouble to getting a late start in cooking. Some women can't boil water when they got married. When I was married, I didn't know what water was. All I ever learned at my mother's knee was what a bony knee looked like. But now I can boil water when I don't forget and use the colander. These are my tips on being a success in the kitchen without going near the stupid place. The casualty list hasn't been released yet planning. Don't spend too much time planning meals. You don't want a charge of premeditation. Try to talk people out of eating. Say to your husband, all right, if you want that sluggish, groggy feeling a big breakfast gives you. When my family says they've had a hot breakfast, they mean I've served their cornflakes off the radiator. Don't keep apologizing to your husband for your cooking. He could have checked at the high school and found out you got F's in home ec. Serving. Never serve meals on time. The starving eat anything. Use small plates and give little servings. It helps your morale if everything is cleaned up. I serve my meals on coasters. If your husband looks at something you've put before him and says, Oh, good God, don't ask, how do you like it? food tastes better if you eat outdoors if possible picnic 365 days a year never picnic with another family where the mother is apt to bring hot chicken and homemade pickles for years your kids will refer to the picnic where mrs. so-and-so brought fried chicken serve coffee early in the meal and very hot if a guest burns his tongue he won't be able to taste anything Add the word supreme to everything you serve. Hamburger supreme, turkey neck supreme, toast supreme, etc. Expecting the unexpected. If company arrives just at mealtime, smear peanut butter on one of the kids' chins so they'll think you've already eaten. Sometimes the above doesn't work and people actually sit down at the table. Then, if you really want to pass a meal off as homemade when you really got everything from the delicatessen, Shortly before the guests sit down, have a timer on the stove go off. Discuss religion and politics at a dinner party so people get into heated arguments and don't notice what they're eating. They may also think the arguing caused their indigestion. During the meal, someone is bound to call your food something other than what it is. Don't argue. If they're eating spaghetti and say, what delicious sauerkraut, just say thank you. One good general rule is never serve a foreign dish to people of that nationality. For instance, I found out I don't cook Italian very fluently. If anyone looks as if he is about to get sick, say, Heavens, I forgot to get this recipe over to Evelyn, just as if she had asked for it. They'll think it can't be as bad as they thought it was. Don't be flattered if your guests asked for a doggy bag. They may just want to have the food analyzed. Marketing made easy. Spot a domestic-looking woman in the supermarket and copy her grocery card. Try to buy packages that do not have pictures of how it is supposed to look. Once my turkey looked just like the picture in a book, but it tasted like one of the pages. Don't buy products that advertise that even a child can use them. These failures have the greatest sting. Actually, it doesn't matter what I buy. My food always tastes as if I made it with brand X. But I do use name brands. Well, what I mean is every brand I use, Fang calls a name. Recipes. Later in this book, I have noted some of my most successful recipes. That material has been placed in this book against the advice of my lawyer. He says I could be sued. However, you may wish to remember that when you're out and your husband asks you to get a recipe for something that is served, don't try it for at least a year to make sure he's forgotten what it's supposed to taste like. Of course, after he eats it, he will scratch it off the list. Don't bother to recopy it. It probably won't turn out any better the next time. Now turn to page 52 and bon appetit! What Heloise doesn't tell you. If you get the sugar and flour in the wrong canisters, do not wait until they are empty at the same time to switch. I tried waiting and it took 17 years. When you see 7 boxes of powdered sugar and 8 of cream of tartar all in use, realize that it's time to combine things. Don't waste time trying to combine items in spray cans as the holes are too small. Replace the labels on store-bought pickles with your own, writing a month and year. Be sure to use the month women ordinarily put up pickles. You can easily find a cobweb to drape on the jar so it looks as if it's been in the fruit cellar. Chapter 3 Phyllis Diller's Successful Recipes. Now, this is one of my favorite parts of the book because when you go to it and you open up the page, it is just two blank pages, which I kind of really love that that's what she put in the book as her successful recipes. And onwards and upwards to chapter four now, guys. Chapter four, The Hostess with the Leases. Anyhow, you know they're good sports or they wouldn't have accepted your invitation in the first place. Try to be gracious, but you have to watch what you say. Once I said, I love to cook for friends. And someone answered, if this is the way you cook for friends, I'd hate to see how you cook for enemies. Another time I asked, dessert now? They said, no, we'll stick it out. But no matter what is said, it is important for the hostess to be gay and at ease. To help attain this status, the following points should help. False impressions. You need never feel embarrassed again about how rotten your furniture looks. You can always give a sentimental value to any piece that looks beat up. Say, we'd get rid of that chair with the spring showing, but I was sitting on it when Ronnie brought home his first report card with a grade above F. Never say, it's either that or sitting on the floor. No matter how well your guests know you, pretend you've got class. When I point out a piece of furniture, I say, that's a Ben Franklin, in a tone that doesn't give away the fact that that's the store where I bought it. Dial M for messy. A little intentional sloppiness can cover up weeks of not cleaning your house. Try placing a tipped over flower pot in view. Any dirt within 50 feet can be blamed on this, and anyone knows this is better homes and gardens-type dirt. Or, if you prefer, a few cactus plants sitting around will make the sand on the floor look like part of the decor. Buy an easel and leave it lying in a conspicuous place. Much will be forgiven if people think you are an artist. The Uninvited No home should be without these six basic rules for entertaining unexpected guests. Post them on the inside of your refrigerator door. Number one. If somebody calls and says they'll be right over, throw everything down the clothes chute, including the kids. Number two. Put a chain across the driveway so people don't drive up to the back door and come into the house through your ever-messy kitchen. Number three. Explain the way the house looks by saying you're doing a magazine article and can't change anything until you take the before pictures. If you have already used this line, try the alternate lie. Pretend you're an astrology buff and say, a Taurus wasn't supposed to start anything today. Number four. If a guest is wearing glasses, as he walks out the door, grab them before he notices they're clean and say, look, let me wipe the dust off for you. Number five. If relatives call and say they are dropping in and you have the horrifying thought that they may want to spend the night, have the family watch TV for six hours straight to develop red eyes. And just before they get there, spray the house with Vicks. If they already have colds, you're sunk. If Mrs. Clean catches you in your bathrobe at 11 a.m., you have two choices. Either grab a bar of soap and drape a bath towel over your arm, Or wrap a wool sock around your throat. With the latter, she may even try and be so sympathetic, she'll go home and send you some homemade soup that you can serve the kids for lunch. Planned partyhood. Only entertain in October. People will be favorably impressed at seeing your storm windows up so early. If they don't live in the neighborhood, they won't know they weren't taken down all summer. Always give a hard times party. They'll think you made the house look that way on purpose. Do not have company when the sunlight is streaming through the windows. Everything shows up. Either entertain at night or close the drapes and break the cord. No matter what time your guests arrive, pretend they're early so naturally you're not ready. What Amy Vanderbilt doesn't tell you. Have one feature that you are well known for like big meals, clean kids, or the neighborhood gossip. Volunteer to go around on charity drives. It will make you feel good. You're bound to find somebody in a worse mess than you are. Try and go around collecting at 8 a.m. in the morning. Tell people you've been developing hobbies to enjoy when the kids are grown. Don't tell them that the hobbies are drinking and napping. Beware of the mother who comes to your house carrying a baby. If she hasn't already seen your bedroom, she may actually want to lay him on the bed. If company drops in and the children are wearing grimy sweatshirts, have them lie on their stomachs in front of the TV. No matter what anybody drops behind the couch, don't let them retrieve it. Whether it's a wristwatch or a diamond ring, offer to replace it because what's money compared to your ruined reputation? don't call us. In the unlikely event that you are ever invited to a party, remember that Women of your kind do not wear lapel buttons so they can be recognized and you can easily find yourself in a group of women who are exchanging recipes or discussing knitting patterns. The only safe way to avoid this is to drift over to a group of men. If they are exchanging recipes or discussing knitting patterns, leave the party and you'd better take your husband with you. When you go to Mrs. Clean's for dinner and she serves something fancy like lobster Thermidor, say, What a coincidence! Just what I love for the children. As you're leaving her dinner party, say, I had a lovely time and I'm sure nobody noticed. Then leave quickly. Try to learn a little about flowers. Once, when I was out, I complimented a hostess on her floral arrangement and she said, Those are from Forsythia. I asked if she lived next door. I hope everyone took the time during that brief intermission to grab a snack. I know I grabbed some powdered sugar donut hose. Isn't that right? You put me some donut hose and some milk in the kitchen. The donuts or the donut hose? Donut hose. Chapter 5. Remember my tranquilizers are coming out of your allowance ah the magic of childhood but it doesn't work i can't make them disappear i do wear dark glasses in the house hoping they won't recognize me to show how wild they are my eight-year-old bought a bicycle with money he had saved by not smoking i got one of them a pair of elevator shoes and sent them to school a year early I had him going to kindergarten and in two nursery schools at the same time. One of my girls was so hard to get along with, she was in a Girl Scout troop all by herself. She never smiles. She was 15 before I saw her second teeth, and then I just happened to be with her when they told her she was on candid camera. None of my kids were dropouts, but they caused several dropouts among teachers. They are so hard to live with, our next door neighbors were ready to sell. Well, in fact, they were ready to give. Then Mrs. Clean has the nerve to say things like, children grow up so fast. I keep asking mine, why can't you be like the other kids and grow up too fast? One day she said, if they made you so nervous, why did you have so many? I told her I had them before I knew poodles were going to become so popular. Once she looked at my five and said sweetly, you're so lucky. How I'd love just one of those. I said, frankly, that's what I would have settled for, too. That, not being the case, however, here are some hints on how to live through it from a woman who learned the hard way. Cleanliness is next to impossible. The first rule to remember is, it's the ivory that floats, not the baby. And don't feel you have to give him a bath every single day. He won't tell anybody. In Praise of Violence All children need discipline occasionally. I always say people should raise their kids like they make bread. Punch them down after the first rising. Always stick to your guns. I would recommend a Winchester and a Colt 45. Fine your kids a penny for every fight they have. I did this once and by night time their bicycles had second mortgages. Don't have your children obey you because they fear you. It's all right to try, but it won't work. Explain to your children that they have to behave better. They are making it so difficult for you to complain about other people's children. And make your teenagers show some respect. Try to have them ask for permission before they say, Are you ever dumb? What Dr. Spock doesn't tell you. It's a well-recognized fact that children are like wild animals. Therefore, the most important thing is to learn a few don'ts. Don't show fear in front of your child. If you fall off, get right back on and ride. Of course, you can always become a den mother so you won't be afraid of your child. Then you'll be afraid of 15 children. Never approach a child with your fingers extended. Make a fist and have a calm, reassuring tone of voice. Don't feel you'll have to bathe their little bodies every night before they go to bed. In case of fire, you can always see to it the firemen spray them first. Don't worry if your kids' faces are always dirty. You may actually get away with sending them to school while they've got the measles. Tips from a planned parenthood dropout. As soon as you discover you are pregnant, it's wise to start saving for a rainy day so you can hire a babysitter and get out of the house. The babysitter will be a mainstay of your sanity. Don't feel you should invariably go by child guidance experts, as it isn't always possible to follow their advice. One said, always have a babysitter who is acquainted with your children. If they were acquainted with my children, they wouldn't sit. Watch the expression on your babysitter's face when you refuse to tell her where you can be reached. Chapter 6 You wouldn't know it was raining outside unless the phone leaked. I may be the only woman in the world who has a tan from the light on her princess phone. If there were a parking meter in front of that phone, we could have paid off the mortgage. When my husband picks up the phone and it's from me, he says, Whom shall I say is willing to listen? so I can give you some good advice on what to say to your husband when he complains about your excessive use of the phone. The following sample conversation may be of some help. Fang, can't you ever be off the telephone? Phyllis, I work all day and that's the thanks I get. I'm the best housekeeper in the neighborhood. What makes you think you're a good housekeeper, just because there isn't any dust on the telephone? I never get to talk. Did you notice this morning that the minute I got on the phone the kids wanted something? Yeah, breakfast. It was 7am. I don't talk on the phone much. You don't talk on the phone much? I called you 10 times today and the line was busy. I was ordering groceries. What do you do, run a supermarket? And I had to make 50 calls for the PTA. PTA must stand for Public Telephoning Association. Just one day, I'd like to have a busy wife instead of a busy line. You seem to have forgotten the prize I got for making the 50,000th dial phone call. Yeah, that was a lot of calls for one person to make in a week. And those dopes you talked to? Manoeuvre, rat's wrinkle. I don't talk to her anymore. Since she got her marriage strained out, she's a perfect bore. And besides, I'm not interested in gossip. I've heard you talk for half an hour to the Courtesy Time Lady. For your information, last night I hung up 15 minutes after you stepped inside the door. Yeah, but you were talking to a wrong number. I don't have to sit here and take your insults. And then I hung up on him. Advice for the phone, Lorne. One day I received a phone call from a lady who said, My husband says I can't be a good mother because I'm always on the telephone. What can I tell him? I told her to tell him that in the winter the kids can always come in and warm their hands on the phone. Another woman wrote to me and said, Dear Phyllis, I tried to call you but your line was busy. What I want to know is, what can I say to my husband who complains that I'm on the phone so much? The kids run around the house at 10, still in their pajamas. Signed, Busy Mother. I wrote back, Dear Busy, don't say anything to him, but tell your kids to start sleeping in their clothes. Watch out for phrases that give away the amount of time you spend on the phone. Don't start every conversation with, What hath God wrought? Don't end every conversation with bulletins at any second and get a cord that stretches so that you can even empty the garbage can in the backyard. Chapter 7. How to reconcile the bank statement and your husband and other ugly problems. No book on household hints would be complete without a word on the nauseating subject of budgeting. So to collect the most expert tips I could, I observed the master miser, Fang. I know you have to watch where your money goes, but Fang was once hit in the eye by a cash register key. When he proposed, I thought he had money because he said he spent hours every week clipping coupons. He meant the kind that give eight cents off a box of detergent. The wedding ring he bought me was so cheap i just have to look at it to know I'm not happily married. When we were finally married, you moved me into a house so run down that once, when I left a box of clothing on the front porch for the Goodwill Charity, they took the house too. For the first six months, we lived on refunds from double your money back guarantees. Despite the fact that he doesn't make much, I feel he is a little too thrifty. What other family uses a Bible from the library? Even if the following ideas for saving money are not possible for you to use, at least it will make your husband seem like a philanthropist. Easy come, easy go. When you're in as rotten as financial condition as we are, it's important to be able to put off your creditors. The following little tricks may be of some help. When you get a letter from a creditor who tries to be polite and says, it's so easy to forget a little bill like this, write back and say, okay, forget it. And of course, everybody knows that charity begins at home. We have perfected that concept. On everybody else's window, it says, we gave. On ours, it says, we'll take. New tricks from an old dog. Fang will never be accused of being the last of the great big spenders. He wants to be so sure he gets his money's worth that once when he went to a stag dinner where a burlesque queen jumped out of the cake, he asked, Now what are we going to have for dessert? The last time he took me off for a drink was when our town gave Sabine liquid vaccine free. I finally tricked him into taking me out to eat by telling him it would cut down on the grocery bill. It had been so long since the last time that when the waiter asked me what I wanted, I said, a pound of sirloin. And the cheap restaurant he took me to. It was so bad that the Humane Society stopped them from giving out doggy bags. Here's Fang's favorite restaurant money saver. Instead of tipping, he shakes hands. Home on $5 a day. Nobody knows how to save money on vacation as well as Fang. When we were going together, he promised every year he'd take me to the seashore. The nearest I got to the seashore was a Hamilton Beach vacuum cleaner. Some of his most recent tricks are, last year he bought me the book Hawaii and gave me some seasick pills, asking for economy class tickets when we take the subway. And of course, he has suffered some reverses. He found out that you can't get your phone disconnected every time you're going out of town for the weekend. But he tried. Once, when I was out of town, I asked Fang to wire me some flowers. He put two rose petals inside a 35-cent telegram. Instead of getting me a new Easter outfit, every year Fang takes me to a different church. The year after we made the Hindu temple, we moved out of town. Instead of eggs on Easter, our kids color pumpkin seeds. He's had them saved from Halloween. He buys such cheap appliances that instead of a warranty, we get a warning. He buys that hair cream that advertises a little dabble do you, and he only uses half a dab. Last year, Fang not only made his own Christmas cards, he made his own stamps. The Return of the Wolfman Supposing you're a housewife and you've goofed. Let's put it this way. It's 4.30 and you're still in bed and that's pretty close to ogre time. Try the following. Put a little O-Cedar whey behind each ear. It makes you smell tired. Splash cold water on your face. If you pant a little, it looks exactly like beads of sweat. Rouge your knees. It will look like you've been scrubbing the floors. Have a broken bra strap hanging from your sleeve. It gives the impression you've been reaching and stretching. And let your husband see you take off your shoes and rub the bottoms of your feet. What Dr. Brothers doesn't tell you? Make a list of things to do. Check them off and leave the list where your husband can see it. Only one man in 10,000 will check to see whether or not they're done. Never go out in the middle of the week without yawning all evening to avoid having your husband complain you're giving him for dinner the same thing he's had for lunch louse it up so he won't know it's the same thing or not if you're single get married on thanksgiving day so you can insist upon eating out every anniversary if your husband's on a damn special diet like three meals a day use all the shortcuts you can find i even buy frozen toast have your husband call home at noon You'll find it's easier to take half a day's complaints in at a time. When your husband wants to go out with the boys, let him. It's easier to sulk than be nice to him. Never go to bed, Matt. Stay up and fight. Just the other day, I said to Fang, don't you think we've got a storybook romance? And he said, yes, and every page is ripped. I recommend periodically renewing your vows. Not the vows that you'll kill him if he's late for dinner or forgets your anniversary. Your marriage vows. Using terms of endearment when you fight like sweetheart you know I can't stand your fathead mother darling and sweetie I'm leaving you honey if you ever drink that much again. Do romantic things like scrubbing the kitchen floor by candlelight. Chapter 8 where there's a will, there's a way out. There are a couple of problems even I haven't been able to solve. Like what to say when somebody notices one of the holes in the acoustical ceiling is moving. Or what to say when a piece of tinsel shows up from under the rug in May. But I have compiled quite a list of advantages I've discovered in housekeeping the Philistiller way. Number one, the paint is in one bit chipped. The dirt protects it. Number two, There are no bugs. The dust has choked them to death. Number three, guests never walk through your glass doors. Number four, when I've lost something in our house, I've got at least 10 things to look for at the same time. Number five, I can tell how much the plumber should charge by knowing he came in during the middle commercial of As the World Turns and left just before password. Number six, If I ever become an alcoholic, friends wouldn't suspect I was hiding bottles. They would think it was just my housekeeping. But I'll never become one, because I don't like to drink in front of the kids, and when they're not around, who needs it? Number seven, you don't have to be as careful about knowing where you've put things if you have three of everything. Number eight, I don't have to change menus for weeks at a time. Every night, it turns out different. Number nine, if I didn't cook the way I did, Fang would have never been able to buy enough food for our five kids. They've yet to ask for seconds, and they never complain about the school lunch program. Number ten, my cooking also makes it easy for kids to learn to share. Number eleven, it also makes dieting a pleasure. People have been known to start diets at my house on Thanksgiving Day. Number twelve, Fang will never get into an accident hurrying home to my meals. Number 13. You'll be a better conversationalist trying to keep your guests interested so their eyes don't wander. Number 14. Kids get plenty of physical fitness exercise at school by their trips to the principal's office. Number 15. The telephone needn't be a horrible expense. I picked up some good money selling spot announcements to local merchants. Number 16. There are even some advantages to having a stingy husband. For instance, he wouldn't think of playing a slot machine, and if he ever drops a bundle at the racetrack, it will only be his lunch. He's cheap with himself, too. He made himself a sundial wristwatch. When anybody asks him what time it is, he has to run outdoors. Number 17. I've never had to worry about doing anything new to our house. Some men are status sad as seekers, Fang's a status quo seeker. Number 18. I don't have to give up anything for Lent. And the main advantage for you of following the suggestions in this book is to give you more time to beautify yourself and someday look like me. I can only hope you guys have enjoyed this episode of Chatting Tonight as much as I have. I know we live in a real serious world and... I think sometimes it's important to remember to be silly and just forget about shit for a little bit. I hope you join me on the next episode. Have a good night. In a world. In a continent. In a country in a state, in a city, and on a platform full of podcasts that have themes and subject matter and an actual format. One podcast stands alone. No point. No rhyme. No reason. No rules. It's chatting tonight.